it's not going to be a sad show. Sad subject matter, of course, but not a sad show. South Africa doesn't really do sad. I can attest to being here for a few dark chapters. Um, but they simply don't wait around in self-pity, you know, nor do they wait for the, the government to do anything. Um, I think most people here will tell you because the government doesn't do much. They've, they've learned to self-govern. You know, when the riots happened in Durban, uh, the cleanups were going on while the shots were still being fired. That kind of thing, you know, and it's that resilience that, that I don't even, I don't even know, sorry, more wind, but I don't even know the, the, the refusal to, to bow down to the social norms or the refusal to adhere to social norms of, you know, hey, look, this happened first, you need to be sad, then you're going to be quiet for a little while, then you're going to be angry, then you're going to be pragmatic. No, they start sorting things out as they're going down, I guess is what I'm trying to say. So, so this... This show about the the music against apartheid is not going to be a sad one. It's not going to be a downbeat one. Um, quite the opposite. Actually, this is going to be the most upbeat episode we've had in the history of this podcast. And to prove that, let's kick it off with my favorite, many people's favorites, the inimitable, the fantastic, the strong, powerful, and scary Brenda Fassi. The President 
the queen of African pop, the original bad girl, Brenda Fassi, Rough Sunday's Apartheid Edition, America's Queen, coming to you once more from Cape Town. As you will hear, it's uh, about to rain again, right outside my beautiful little apartment that I've grown incredibly fond of. So yeah, it's going to be an upbeat show. Uh, as you just heard, Brenda Fassi, Black President. But it's also going to have... Um, it's going to have a, a, a grasp on what apartheid was exactly. Um, you know, if I'm being honest, I knew so, so little about it before coming here. I'm 45 years old. I've, I've traveled and even I wasn't aware of the things that went down. Um, embarrassingly so. So we're going to, we're going to get into, we're going to get into it a little bit here. Um, not because I know a whole lot, you know, I have been asking questions and listening, but I think everybody should at least know about it because A, it was uh, a dark and evil and triumphant and now confusing part of history. But more to the point, more to the show, I guess not more to the point, but more to the point of the show is that I want you to understand apartheid so that when you listen to these songs of revolt and freedom and resistance, they become even more powerful and more meaningful. Um, and when it comes to apartheid, I, I'm going to try to break this up into three sections, all right? This is going to be a really, really simple breakdown of, of what happened. And I feel a need to say that over and over and over. This is a dumbed-down explanation of what went on during apartheid. I'm going to be leaving out a thousands, if not tens of thousands of other things going down. But kind of just the broad view, all right? And for my own help or sanity or understanding, I'm going to break them down into three parts. So the first part, impl implementation, second part, second part during, and third, the fall. Um, but as mentioned, like sectioning this whole thing out even gets more confusing. So let's just get into it. And again, a blanket apology for, for anything I might get wrong or, or I leave out that I shouldn't have. All right. So apartheid, the word apartheid is an Afrikaans word. You know, Afrikaans being the white South Africans um, by way of the Dutch. And it's an Afrikaans word. And important that you realize the difference between the two because I made that mistake before coming here and I didn't stress or I didn't um, enunciate enough. Afrikaans, those are going to be the whites. Okay, Afrikaan, black. Afrikaans, white. So it's an Afrikaans word, apartheid we're talking about, meaning uh, aparthood or the state of being apart or or basically separateness and you know although a lot of racism existed before apartheid you know you're going to remember that south africa was colonized by the english and the dutch okay but it was never so so cleverly written into law until around 1948 and for that to be so recent um should shock you to your core like 19 we're not talking about the, the 1600s or whenever the Dutch were here. I'm talking about 1948, you know. And I think there's this great quote from a South, Afri South African history book that I found. And it says this, On paper, apartheid appeared to call for equal development and freedom of cultural expression. But the way it was implemented made it this impossible. So, in a nutshell, apartheid, what, what happened was people were separated by color. And when I say separate, I mean, I mean jobs, housing, relationships, friendships, opportunity, all of it, you know, even down to the, the, the public transport lines, the benches, you know, all of it. And, and the pecking order 
was as followed, right? First, of course, was white. Next down the list was Asian. Halfway down that list is colored, which is, of course, coming from the states that, you know, we don't use that word here. It's, it's used everywhere, um, officially. Still uncomfortable, but that's going to be, that's the way it's referred to. So white, Asian, colored. Then you had Indian. And then you had black. And to get you started, that, that's part one. Um, that's how it became. That's how they were sectioned off, you know, and it's a very, very basic explanation. And I'm going to keep saying that over and over, but you know, at least for this show, let's keep it short. So yes, apartheid started in 1948, which is where we are kind of in our talk. And then two years later in 1950, a young lawyer, the first black lawyer in South Africa, mind you, named Nelson joined something called the ANC, the African National Congress, which is basically the Democratic Party that was backing true African equality, no matter the color. And he, this lawyer named Nelson, would sue me thrown in prison for his fight against the apartheid. And he would be thrown into prison for 27 years. Most of those years, if the day was a little bit clearer from my balcony on Robben Island, literally, not far from me at all, which is kind of spooky to to turn around and, and think about. I wish I could see it. But he was in prison for 27 years. And we're going to get more into the lawyer named Nelson uh, in the next section. But let's go ahead and hear a song, one of the many songs dedicated to him. It's the great Hugh Masekela. The name of the track is Bring Him Back Home. And it's Rough Sundays. <laughs>
Two songs there dedicated to Nelson Mandela. The last one by The Specials. It's Rough Sundays, Erica's Queen. And we're talking apartheid. Uh, the first section was me trying, again, trying. It's such an important thing to talk about, and I, I want to do a good job of it, but it's also a lot, and I'm the furthest thing away from a scholar, so you'll forgive me for, for really just dropping in a few points, but, you know, trying to un- understand or explain or get to or into the, the origin and the implementation of apartheid. Um, the key takeaway here is that while racism and slavery existed, hundreds of years before it, you know, this this official apartheid government began in 1948, which we just talked about, and they they basically made it wonderful for whites and terrible for everybody else, especially blacks. You know, even having a, a friend or a relationship with somebody of a different color was punishable by prison. Like, being friends with somebody of a different color was punishable by prison. Having relations was punishable by prison. Like, Trevor Noah's book is called born a crime because he was like white father black mother him a crime so this and tens or hundreds of thousands other horrific things begin happening in 1948 1950 as we mentioned nelson mandela joins the anc but then you had horrors and i mean horrors of of things like the soweto uprising or the sharpville massacres and like I said, I'm doing a terrible job of explaining this, but hopefully you will pull up, maybe not if kids are around at first, you know, read about the Soweto uprising, read about the Sharpville massacres and read about what was really going on. So that takes us to, I don't know, the 1980s, uh, early 1980s and news of just how bad things were in South Africa begin slowly making headlines. And, and it's a little bit embarrassing coming from somebody who's American for, for things to have taken that long. But hey, this was pre-internet and whatever. Not an excuse. I'm sorry, I shouldn't have said pre-internet. No excuse. It took way too long for people to speak out. But among the many, many international organizations to speak out against what was happening was a group called the Artists United Against Apartheid. And this was a group founded by a E Street guitarist, uh, Sopranos actor, Steve Van Zandt. And you'll remember that it was Van Zandt who managed to get the hit put out on Paul Simon taken off. Again, so much of this sounds like it's made up, but literally, the guy from Sopranos got the hit removed from the tiny Jewish kid from New York playing his guitar. Crazy, right? And even though Steve Van Zandt hated Paul Simon, uh, especially for him ignoring that cultural boycott, uh, he managed to, to, to ask nicely that the hit be taken off. So anyway... Van Zant decides to write a song about a hotel resort here called Sun City. Hang on, a cup of coffee. My mouth's getting dry. Anyway, Van Zant decides to write a song about this hotel resort area called Sun City. And this was a white-only getaway. I believe it was built on the lands that blacks had been forced off of. You know, so it was just, just all sorts of forms of evil, Sun City. And then he wrote this song, and then he went out to find a few celebrities to appear on the track... And boy, did he. You ready for this? The amount of people on this track we're about to play? All right, Bruce Springsteen, Melly Mel, The Fat Boys, Bob Dylan, Herbie Hancock, Ringo Starr, Lou Reed, Run DMC, Peter Gabriel, who, by the way, I don't know if you know this, Peter Gabriel's song Biko is about Steve Biko, like a huge anti-apartheid song. I didn't know that. I, I just thought it was a Peter Gabriel song didn't really read the lyrics. Yeah, it's about Steve Biko. Insane, but that shows a little too 
downbeat to fit the show. Um, who else is on this track, Sun City track? Bobby Womack, Africa Bombada, Curtis Blow, Jackson Brown, Daryl Hannah, Bono, George Clinton, Keith Richards, I'm still going, Ronnie Wood, Peter Wolf, Bonnie Ray, Daryl Hall, John Oates, Hall and Oates, Jimmy Cliff, Big Youth, Gil Scott Heron, Peter Townshend, Pat Benatar, Joey Ramone, and a whole lot of others. And the entire track starts with a solo by Miles Davis. Like, I'm out of breath. Like, my my throat is dry simply from reading the amount of people in this song. It's Artist uh, Artist United Against Apartheid. Track is called Sun City. It's Rough Sundays.
Stevie Wonder, it's wrong. Apartheid is wrong. Rough Sundays, we're talking all things. Not all things. I'm failing at an overview of apartheid and playing some of the uh, songs this week. Songs Against Apartheid, of course. And, um, yeah, just a dark... It's a weird thing to not be from here, but be here. It's a weird thing to be playing upbeat tracks on something so horrific. You know, but it's that, that, that comparison and, and contrast, which is... I mean, they're like the two pillars of South Africa from what I've seen so far. You know, it really, it's a balancing act. Um, and that's what I'm trying to do on this show. So again, apologies if, if you probably already know this and I'm doing a terrible job. But anyway. But that does bring us to the good news. Goodish, at least. All right. So we've made our way up to the early 1990s. Apartheid had begun to disravel or be dismantled or call it what you want. And that was, that, that came down to, or that was because of a, a lot of things. Uh, firstly, you had the, the pressures from inside South Africa itself. I mean, a civil war wasn't far on the horizon. Um, and I think one of the craziest facts that I learned while being here in South Africa was that South Africa, and in fact, guess, I can't hear you, but we'll guess anyway. Guess which percentage of South Africa is white? No, you're wrong. 9%. Not even 9%, I think. It's like 878 something like that. But we'll be generous. 9% white. Think about that. Everything we talked about during the show, all the news that we grew up seeing in South Africa, 9% white, right? And yet the 9% had a stranglehold on the country. You know, so a civil war was was not too far um, on the horizon. And it's, it's, it's kind of surprising it didn't kick off long before that. So that was the first thing. Second was the outside pressures from a lot of the world. I'm not going to get into the, the trade embargoes and the culture, all that stuff, but there was a lot of outside pressure building from, from outside, except for two world powers. There were two countries that, um, that, that didn't help, that took a stand basically for apartheid or took a stand against apartheid falling. See what I'm saying? And that would be the U.S. and the U.K., Right. Both Ronald Reagan and Margaret Thatcher condemned Mandela as a terrorist, and they both vetoed the Anti-Apartheid Act in 1986. All right. So they weren't any help. But the rest of the world was trying. But who would be the, 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 the unlikely international help in the late 1980s? Germany. And here's something we're thinking about. The Berlin Wall fell November of 89. Mandela was released in the February of 1990. And it was actually written that because the Cold War was ending and because the ANC now had a lot more support in Europe and the U.S., that's why what happened in Berlin affected Mandela being released. It's like it's a fascinating, fascinating read. It, it's a definite, I always say rabbit hole. I use that term a lot on this show, but it's a definite rabbit hole to go on if you're looking at the parallels of what was going on. We're talking about uh, two months between each other, two of the biggest chapters in history happening. But it's worth a read, and I hope you do, because like I said, this is, show is just a, a, a just a, what even, a tragic overview. I don't want to say tragic, because we're talking about tragic, but it's an embarrassing overview. But anyway, I do want to get to the last song. And it's not a South African artist, which kind of breaks the rule that we have for this show. But then again, we've had the super group up there and Stevie Wonder or whatever. But the fact that 
the fact that this song, I'm trying not to give it away because this is insane. Um, I had no idea that this song had anything to do with South Africa or apartheid. Like none, absolute, like no idea. I used to play it on the radio when I was a kid, you know. I used to I used to spin this record or call it what you want. No idea. I thought it was a love song. And you may know or you may not know, but I want to read you a few lines to see if you know the song I'm talking about, all right? Um, she's got supporters in high up places who turn their heads to the city sun. She'd give them the fancy money, uh, tempt anyone who'd come. She even knows how to swing opinion in, in a magazine and in the journals. And for every bad new, or for every bad move that she makes, they've got a good explanation. Does that sound fam- familiar whatsoever to you? Probably not. Um, but I want to play the song again. Please remember, this is an outright black and white song against apartheid, and it was done so well that it fooled a whole lot of people, even myself. You ready? It's the apartheid edition of Rough Sundays. Featuring a song you probably had no idea was against apartheid. It's Eddie Grant. Oh, she don't care about the rest at all She's got a system 
I doubt it. I thought it was a song about a girl named Joanna. Didn't realize he was speaking like singing about Johannesburg. Joanna. I had a girlfriend named Joanna from Denmark. I used to sing this to her. And it was the entire time. It's a song about Johannesburg and apartheid. I literally had no idea. I would say that, but when, when did I start putting the show together? Even though it doesn't sound like I put any effort into it. I started putting the show together like uh, three weeks ago. And I knew some apartheid songs. I'd heard some apartheid songs here. And so I started typing in apartheid songs and Eddie Grant, give me hope Joanna pops up. I'm like, are you, I'm sorry. <laughs> what is this? And I pull up the lyrics. Here are the opening lyrics. All right. Well, Joanna, she runs a country. She runs the, she runs in Durban and the Transvaal. She makes a few of her people happy. Oh, she don't care about the rest at all. She's got a system they call apartheid. It keeps a brother in subject chun. But maybe pressure will make Joanna see how everybody could live as one. Give me hope, Joanna. Hope, Joanna. It's, it's insane. Well done, Eddie Grant, for sneaking that one in. Like, seriously. I am smiling because I think it's brilliant and I am red because I'm embarrassed. I literally played this song on the radio numerous times. We used to have this thing called Way Back Wednesday, right? I played this song, I would probably say at least 50 times on the air, maybe 100. I definitely sang it more than a dozen times to my girlfriend Joanne at the time. <laughs> no idea. Like, is that, that's the epitome of American tourist, right? living in Spain, singing romantically to my Danish girlfriend a song about apartheid. Like, that is... There you go. Great job, Eric. That's just... Oh. Anyway. That's the end of the show, and, and I'm happy to end it on a happy note. Um, and again, I'm at a thousand apologies for such a rudimentary overview of apartheid and the songs about it. But I hope you learned at least something or ended up liking a, a few new artists or hopefully you are pissed off at what a terrible job I did that you yourself decided to spend 15, 20 minutes reading about apartheid. There are plenty of documentaries and, and things like that. Um, well worth it. So let's, let's do that. Let's use my ignorance to further your education. All right. And we'll see you next week. Thousands of people gathered waiting for the first words and more than... 27 years, Nelson Mandela. I greet you all in the name of peace, democracy, and freedom for all.